0: A Tell Tale Pod Production, Asher and the Spirit Bird. By Jasbinda Bilan. Chapter 5. I prop myself up in bed, waiting for our signal. And there it is a flashing light through the small window. Jivan is already in the mango tree. I rush onto the roof terrace trying to stop my chapala flicking the stone steps as I pick my way down to the garden, duck past the window where Ma sits sewing, and slip through the gate. I hurry away from the house, the velvet night filled with the haunting call of owls on the hunt. I reach our big rock at last, sprint past it towards the mango tree, filled with the promise of a plan. I throw off my chapala at the base of the tree and slot my bare foot into the first worn hold. Pushing through the rain-drenched leaves, I balance myself onto the branch next to Jivan. What are we going to do? I blurt out straight away, my words strangled. I tell him everything that passed between Ma and me in a rush of words, and by the time I finish, I'm nearly in tears. She said, if we don't hear from him by Diwali... We're going to go to England. Jivan touches the Lamagaya feather. What's this in your hair? Oh, for some reason the observation calms me down. It's nothing, just a feather I like the look of. I don't tell him what happened in the garden earlier and hope that the Lamagaya is the spirit of my Naniji in case it breaks the spell I feel every time I think of her. He might say spirits can't exist. He might ask me, how can you prove it? And I know I can't. Chivan, what do you think's happened to Papa? I revisit all the possibilities I've imagined over and over again. There must be a reason why he hasn't written. I force myself to say the words I haven't dared to speak, as if saying them aloud will release some demon's wrath and make them come true. Do you think he's forgotten us? My heart speeds up at those final words. No, don't say that. Your puppet isn't like them. We both know about men who go to the city to work, but never come back. I knew something strange was about to happen today, I said after a pause. The bell in the cowshed started moving all by itself. At the same time, those men and that woman, Mina, were down at our farm. i started having dreams again. I turn to face him. I want to see how he'll react to what I have to say. You know how Nanaji thought I could see things that others can't? I start slowly. Well, last night I dreamt I was walking through the high Himalayas. It was so cold and snowy, and I met an old woman. She let me warm myself by her fire. I looked down at my palms. She said I had a message in my lines. I watched Yvonne's face closely before the moon disappears behind a cloud and we're pitched into darkness. But when he speaks again, I can see that he's not taking me seriously at all. It's just a dream, Usher, he laughs. All sorts of weird things happen in dreams. Do you think I'm making it up? My cheeks simmer with hot indignation. Calm down. You never believe me. It's just, I can't see these things with my actual eyes, can I? Anyway. The really important thing now is to find out about your papa. The moon re-emerges, casting shadowy leaf patterns all over Jivan's arms. And for the first time I notice they've suddenly got as hairy as the boys in the upper school. Look, Ma gave me Nanaji's pendant today, I say, pulling it out to show him. She said it was a special gift. Your Ma must really trust you. He examines it closely and his voice softens. Maybe only someone special can wear such a gift. I'm glad the half-moon is hidden behind the clouds, so Jivan can't see me blushing. After a few moments, he speaks again. Maybe you're right. Maybe your dreams are guiding you in some way. Jivan picks up a wide mango leaf and begins to crush it, releasing a mouth-watering sweet scent. Even if it's just your instincts? A kind of psychology? Do you think so? I stare up at the sky through the leaves. What do you think? asks Jivan. I try to order my jumbled thoughts. Ma says that now I'm nearly twelve, I have to stop working things up for myself. I think the dreams are guiding me, but towards what? I need to focus. A hushed silence falls inside the mango tree whilst we both think. The soft raindrops drops soothing my racing mind. Eventually, Jivan speaks. You know the lonely house at the furthest end of the village? A chill makes the hairs on my arms stand up. The witch's house, Jivan nods. Well, what if your dream is telling you to go and get your palm read? She can definitely do that. I'm surprised at Jivan's suggestion. I thought he'd say palm reading is a load of nonsense. We climb down from the tree and start the trek up the mountain, taking the long way round to the furthest end of the village, and then further, where there's only one house for miles, and it's hers. The hot autumn wind catches at our ankles as if it's egging us on, tearing at the leaves in the trees. I can't help imagining some wild things stalking off footsteps. I don't know about this. People says she spreads curses at night. My voice is quiet. It's just superstition, Usher. Then why are we going? I whisper. He doesn't reply. Remember that boy, Amir, in the year above us? I say, too jittery to look behind. He said she digs up. Dead baby skulls and uses them to conjure up their spirits. He was only trying to scare you, says Givan. They're just stories. That's all. I press myself closer to Givan as we skirt the edge of the mountain, following the moon, then cross my fingers behind my back as the house looms closer and we begin to drop down the hill. I push to the gate. Hesitantly, expecting it to be locked, but swings open with a loud creak to reveal a tumble-down house with a straggly roof of twigs strapped to its beams. It's tucked into the far corner of a cavernous yard full of eerie black moon shadows. Our torch makes a halo of light ahead of us and we step cautiously towards it, my mouth dry and my stomach churning. I can't believe I'm standing in front of this crumbling wooden door. It's like papery bone, bleached silvery white by the sun and rain. Do you want to go back home? I ask, willing him to say yes this time. We can still spin to the gate. It's not too late. Let's get it over with. He speaks quickly, his voice shaking. Let's hope we find the answers you're looking for. Was it right to come here, knowing that this place might hold dangers? A gust of wind billows behind us and a sudden clatter makes me look up towards the doorway. Beaks. They're strung together through the breath holes and suspended from a hook hammered into a stone alcove and dangling by a thin weathered rope is a skull brimming with a powdery grey ash that floats onto the ground in front of us. Let's knock, he says, before we change our minds. I'll do it, I say, swallowing my fear and stepping up to the door. Use this. Jivan picks up a large stone, in case the witch has put invisible poison on the door. I take the stone and bang loudly. The dull thud echoes into the dark night, cracking the silence of the yard, but nobody comes. We wait, my heart thumping in my chest. Just when we think no one's coming, the door flies open and we both leap back in horror.